0: Psalm 34, if you've got your Bible, Pew Bible, is page 588. Of David, when he changed his behaviour before Abimelech, so that he drove him out, and he went away. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. <clears throat> Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles the Lord is near to the broken-hearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants none of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. Thanks,
1: Margaret. We're going to look at this passage together now. I encourage you, if you have a Bible in front of you, keep it open and follow along as we work through it. Let's pray and ask that God would help us as we look at his word. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word and all that it reveals to us about who you are and your kindness to us in the Lord Jesus. Please help us understand and work in our hearts to change us to be more like him as we look at your word together now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's a, it's a wonderful thing when the things that are good and healthy for us are also things that we enjoy, isn't it? Now, often that's not the case. We're told that it's healthy for us to eat five serves of veggies a day, but when we're munching through those carrots on uh, serving number five, we're not having that much fun, are we? We're told to stay away from sugary foods like chocolate and ice cream, but they're just so delicious. And we're told to get eight hours of sleep a night, but it's really hard to go to bed at a reasonable time when the play next episode counter in Netflix is counting down, isn't it? It just seems more fun, more enjoyable to just stay up. But every now and then there's this wonderful convergence and overlap where the things that are good for us are actually things that we enjoy too. I feel like that going outside and going for a walk or a run. I actually love it. It's good for me and I enjoy it, so you don't have to twist my arm to do it, just try and stop me. Or imagine that you went to your doctor and your doctor said to you, you need to spend more time with the people you love and who make you laugh. Just spend time having fun together and enjoying each other's company, I'm writing you a prescription to do that twice a week. Would you argue with the doctor? No. It's actually good for us to spend time with people and have fun together. It's good to laugh. These things are healthy for our bodies and good for our souls. So we don't need our arms twisted to do that. We might just need our calendars twisted to fit it in. But what if prayer was like that? I think that we tend to think of prayer in the veggies category. We know it's good for us. We know that we're supposed to do it, but we don't like it very much. And so we drag our heels, we put it off, we sit down, we instantly want to do a million other things, and then we feel guilty. We feel like we should pray more, but we just don't because we just don't really want to. But prayer is not actually meant to be like that. Prayer isn't just good for us, it's meant to be something rich. Something full, something enjoyable. Prayer is meant to be an opportunity for us to delight in our good and loving Heavenly Father. It's not just good for us, it's something God has given us to enjoy. Over this term, we've been growing in prayer together as a church family. We've seen our prayer, it is simply talking to our Heavenly Father, it's faith out loud. It's our belief in God and our trust in him as our loving father put into action and given words. And think back over some of the things that we've learned over the last nine weeks. We've seen our prayer is simply talking to God so we can do it simply and confidently because we're adopted as God's sons and daughters in Jesus. We've seen that we can pray knowing that God prays for us. The son and the spirit interceding for us to our good father who will give us every good thing. We've seen that we can pray because our sovereign we can pray because our sovereign King, who rules over all, is able to answer our prayers and invites us to call on him. We've used the ACTS acronym to see how we can praise God, confess our sin to him with confidence in Jesus, thank him for every good thing we enjoy and ask him for his help. And just last week we saw that God wants us to groan and cry out to him in the midst of our suffering and trouble. There is so much more that we could say about prayer, but we're going to have to save that for another time. For now, we're wrapping up this term by saying that prayer is not just something good for us that we should do as a duty. Prayer is an opportunity for us to experience and delight in God's goodness. It's meant to be something we enjoy. And it's not just us who delight in prayer. We're going to see how Heavenly Father actually delights in prayer too. We're going to see that from a few different passages this morning, starting with Psalm 34. In prayer, we delight in our Heavenly Father. A little while back, Jess bought me a new garlic mincer to use in the kitchen. Uh, Here it is, I brought it in to show you Uh, I have to admit, I was a sceptic, I mean a major sceptic I didn't think it was going to work at all And I definitely didn't think it would be better than one of those little press things But it is the best thing since sliced bread See, we cook with a fair bit of garlic at home, so I use it all the time And it's quick, and it's easy, it does a great job You can't cut yourself with it, and it's easy to clean I love it And I confess I've become a bit of an evangelist for it. Maybe that's why I'm using it as a sermon illustration. Uh, I've told most of my family how good it is and how they should get one. I might just buy everyone in my family one for Christmas. I think they're amazing. That's what happens when you discover something you love, isn't it? You want to tell everyone about it. You want everyone else to see how good it is. You want them to enjoy it too. And that's actually what David is doing here in this psalm. David has had an amazing experience with prayer. God answered him. And so he wants us to join him in praising God and he wants us to experience his enjoyment of prayer too. So to understand what David's so excited about, we have to understand what happened. The clue is there in the heading. This is a psalm of David when he changed his behaviour before Abimelech so that he drove him out and he went away. You can read the story in 1 Samuel 21. Saul turns on David and tries to turn him into a human shish kebab. David runs for his life. He's alone. He's got nothing but the clothes on his back. He stops at the tabernacle and the priest Ahimelech gives him some food and the sword of Goliath. That's all that he's got. And he must be truly desperate because he flees to Gath. That's Goliath's hometown. You know, the guy he killed with God's help, whose sword he's carrying. And he goes there to seek asylum with the enemies of God's people. But they recognise him. His life is in grave danger. And so he pretends to be crazy. He scratches marks in the gates. He lets spit run down into his beard and they send him away. And he must have been praying like crazy through all this, right? And God answered his prayer. David's safe. So he turns to praise God and call us to praise him with him. That's what the first three verses are about. David calls all of us to magnify the Lord with him and exalt his name together. Now, this psalm easily deserves its own sermon, but we don't have time for that today. So instead, I just want to focus on the next few verses where David tells us about his experience with prayer and calls us to experience it for ourselves. He tells the story from verse four. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. Notice the way David alternates between his own story and a universal application here. David sought the Lord. He was in desperate trouble, full of fear. He cried out to the Lord, the faithful promise keeping keeping people rescuing enemy defeating God of Israel. And he answered him. David was rescued from all of his fears, saved from horrific death at the hands of his enemies. And he wants us all to experience the same. He says that those who look to the Lord are radiant. In Isaiah, this word describes the way a mother's face lights up when she sees her long lost children. Those who look to the Lord won't be ashamed. He keeps telling the story in the next verse. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers him. David said he was a poor man, and he really was. He had no friends with him, no allies, only the food he could carry, the clothes on his back and the sword. He was destitute. He had nothing. But the Lord saved him. David says he wasn't really alone. The Lord was with him like a mighty army encamped around him and protecting him. And that's what it's like for those who fear God, who recognise God's power and glory and respond by trusting in him. By calling out to him in prayer. In the rest of the psalm he spells out that to fear God also means to live in obedience to him. To turn away from evil and to do good. And to seek God. God is against those who do evil but when those who fear him cry out to him in faith he acts to save them. He redeems them. They won't be condemned. God will deliver them. Now this doesn't mean that God's people will never suffer. David's actually realistic about this. Later in the psalm, he says that they will cry for help. They will have troubles. They'll be broken hearted and crushed in spirit. He even says that the afflictions of the righteous will be many. But amidst all of this, the Lord hears. He is near and he delivers his people. David's experienced this for himself. And so he invites us to experience it too. Look in verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. O oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. You've probably heard verse eight before, probably even before I put it on a lollipop. It's pretty well known. David invites us to taste and see that the Lord is good. That is to experience for ourselves in full colour, 3D with surround sound, how good our God is. To know it in full for ourselves. Jonathan Edwards, the great 18th century American theologian, he's got a great illustration for this. He talks about honey. Imagine that you know that honey is sweet. Your friends have told you it's sweet. You've read several scientific papers, newspaper articles and stories about it, about how sweet honey is. You know it. You believe it. But you've never tasted honey for yourself. Until one day you do. Before you knew it was sweet. But now you really know. You've experienced it. You've tasted it and seen it. And Edward says there is a difference between having an opinion that God is holy and gracious and having a sense or experience of the loveliness and beauty of that holiness and graciousness on the heart. That's what David is inviting us to, to taste it for ourselves, to see it with our own eyes, to experience God's goodness for ourselves. How? In prayer. That's the context. David has experienced God's goodness by crying out to him in prayer and experiencing his rescue for himself. And that's what he's inviting us to. To taste and see God's goodness for ourselves by casting ourselves on God in prayer. To experience the rich blessing of taking refuge in our God through prayer. To experience for ourselves that those who fear God, recognising his power and goodness and casting themselves on him, have no lack. To experience that if we seek the Lord first and foremost, we will lack nothing good that we truly need. That is David's invitation to us. He doesn't talk about prayer as a duty to be performed in order to impress God. He doesn't talk about it like eating your veggies or taking your medicine. Do it because it's good for you. He's talking about like you're at a restaurant and you taste an amazing dessert and you're like, wow, you have got to try this. Here, have a spoon. David wants us to experience God's amazing goodness for ourselves through prayer. Prayer is God's gift to you. It is an opportunity to experience his goodness for yourself, to taste and see that the Lord is good. Prayer is an opportunity for us to delight and enjoy the goodness of your heavenly father. This is actually a huge invitation. And I want to say that this is the prayer tip for this week, our last one for the series. Don't think of prayer as a box you need to tick or a duty you need to perform to please God. Don't think of it like eating your veggies. Think of prayer as an opportunity to delight in the goodness of your heavenly Father. We will still need to discipline ourselves to do it. Sometimes it's hard. I'll get to that in a sec. But think of it as an opportunity to delight in the goodness of your heavenly Father. This is actually a huge invitation. You see, our God is the creator of all things. He's the source of everything that's truly good. Everything that really gives joy and life and laughter and fun, it all comes from God. And this is an invitation to go to the source of everything that is good and enjoy Him. To enjoy His goodness, to taste it and see it for yourself. This doesn't mean it's easy. Our hearts naturally incline away from God because of our sin. We naturally seek our our satisfaction in created things rather than the creator. Prayer is faith out loud, but we naturally incline away from faith towards unbelief. That's sin. That's why prayer is so often hard for us. It's why we need the forgiveness that God offers us freely in Jesus if we trust in him. It's why we need God's Spirit to work in our hearts and to change us to love Him. We will need to ask Him to help us to delight in prayer. And we will need to keep reminding ourselves and each other that prayer is not an imposition from a cruel God. It is an opportunity for delight and joy. Now, this isn't something I want you to beat yourself up with. Why don't you delight in prayer enough? This is an opportunity to change your perspective, to see prayer as a precious gift from God and to enjoy it, to make the most of his gracious gift. But the really amazing thing is that we're not the only ones who delight in prayer. It's actually not a one-sided thing. You see, not only is prayer an opportunity for us to delight in the goodness of our Heavenly Father, in prayer, our Heavenly Father delights in us. Now, I love it when my kids come and talk to me. But to be honest, there's some times that I don't. I really like the TV series Bluey. And uh, there's one episode where dad is trying to work from home and the kids knock on the door for the umpteenth time and dad says, go away. (laughs) And that appeals to me. I've been tempted to say the same thing. There are times that I would rather my kids just left me alone. And I wonder if deep down we think that our heavenly father is like that too. We wonder if we must be frustrating him by coming to him again with the same questions, the same frustrations, the same requests. We're not sure if he must be sick of us by now. But our heavenly father is a much better dad than I am. He invites us to come to him. Jesus tells us parables like the persistent widow who keeps going to the judge over and over again to encourage us to be persistent in our prayer. God wants us to come to him over and over again. In fact, God delights in us coming to him in prayer. We see that in Proverbs 15, verses 8 to 9. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is acceptable to him. The way of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but he loves him who pursues righteousness. These proverbs, they contrast two ways of life here and their results. The wicked way of life, that is a life in open rebellion against God. It is an abomination to God. Even when the wicked man offers God sacrifices, an act of worship, it's an abomination to him because they're paying God lip service, acting as if they love him when they don't. But God loves the one who pursues righteousness, who seeks after him. The prayer of that one is acceptable to the Lord. Now, I very, very rarely quibble with the translation of the ESV. I actually think it is an extremely reliable translation. When you read it, you can be confident that you're reading a very careful, very good translation of the original language. But here I have to quibble. The same word that here is translated as acceptable is translated in Proverbs 11.1, 11.20 and 12.22 as delight. The NIV, NKJV, NASB and CSB translations all translated as delight in this verse. I don't know why the ESV went differently, but I think this verse is much better translated in the NASB. Here it is. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. prayer of God's people is not just acceptable to him. It's not just that it's good enough and he's okay with it. The prayer of the upright is a delight to God. It's not that we're so good and upright in ourselves. We're not. But through Jesus, our righteous one, this is true of us. We can come to God and he delights in our prayers. They're rich and joyful and wonderful to him. He takes pleasure in them. God delights in our prayer. Our prayers are not just an opportunity for us to delight in God. They are a way that God delights in us. See, he delights to work in and through our prayers to bring about his purposes in the world. It brings him joy when we, his sons and daughters in Jesus, come to him in dependence and faith. When we fear him by recognising him as our creator, recognising that we're dependent on him and coming to him as our heavenly father. Proverbs 15 isn't the only passage that talks about this either. In Psalm 147, the psalmist is praising the Lord for who he is. He praises him, that he cares for his people, that he cares for the earth by providing rain and causing grass to grow. And he takes pleasure in those who fear him. Look at Psalm 147, verses 10 and 11. His delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the legs of a man. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. God doesn't delight in the strength of the horse, something many ancient people would have trusted in. May we trust in, in horse power sometimes. He doesn't take pleasure in the legs of a man. And that one I can understand. No, the psalmist says that the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him. It's not just that he puts up with them or that they're OK. He takes pleasure in them. And then in the second line, he explains what that actually means. To fear God is to hope in his steadfast love, to trust him and his goodness. Not to trust in our own power, the might of our legs, the strength of our horses, the amount in our bank account, our own skills and abilities, our own goodness, but to hope in God's steadfast love and to depend on him. God loves it when we depend on him and trust in his steadfast love. And that includes depending on him in prayer. God takes pleasure in those who fear him. The prayer of the upright is his delight. And this is a fitting place for us to end our prayer series. We began by seeing that prayer is simply coming confidently to our loving heavenly father through Jesus. And as we do it, we don't have to be afraid that he might get frustrated, that he might turn us away. We don't have to feel like we shouldn't bother with God with things that we can do ourselves, that we should only come to God if there's no other alternative. That's not hoping in His steadfast love. That's depending on ourselves, on our own strength and power. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who recognise their dependence on him, who pray to him, He delights in our prayers. So pray. It's not just good for you like eating your veggies. It's an opportunity, an invitation to experience and delight in the goodness of our heavenly father. It's an opportunity to to bring pleasure and delight to our God who takes pleasure in those who hope in his steadfast love, who delights in the prayers of the upright. God delights in your prayers, and he invites you through prayer to delight in him too, to taste and see that he is good. Will you? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your kindness to us. That through Jesus, we who are sinners can come to you as righteous in him. Thank you that through faith in him and through coming to you through him, you delight in our prayers. That you take pleasure in us as we depend on you and hope in your steadfast love. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift that you have given us of prayer. And that it is an opportunity, an invitation to taste and see your goodness. Forgive us for times that we've neglected this gift. Lord, change our hearts. Grow us in love for you. Grow us in a desire to come to you in prayer. Help us to see it as a good gift that you've given us. And Lord, as we come to you, help us to taste and see that you are good. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.